Chapter 4, Moses in Egypt, Part 3 of The Legends of the Jews, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rhonda Fetterman. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 2, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg. The Birth of Moses. When Amram separated from his wife on account of the edict published against the male children of the Hebrews, and his example was followed by all the Israelites, his daughter Miriam said to him, Father, thy decree is worse than Pharaoh's decree. The Egyptians aim to destroy only the male children, but thou includest the girls as well. Pharaoh deprives his victims of life in this world, but thou preventest children from being born, and thus deprivest them of the future life too. He resolves destruction, but who knows whether the intention of the wicked can persist? Thou art a righteous man, and the enactments of the righteous are executed by God. Hence thy decree will be upheld. Amram recognized the justice of her plea and he repaired to the Sanhedrin and put the matter before this body. The members of the court spoke and said, It was thou that didst separate husbands and wives, and from thee should go forth the permission for remarriage. Amram then made the proposition that each of the members of the Sanhedrin return to his wife and wed her clandestinely. But his colleagues repudiated the plan, saying, and who will make it known unto the whole of Israel? Accordingly, Amram stood publicly under the wedding canopy with his divorced wife, Jochebed, while Aaron and Miriam danced about it, and the angels proclaimed, Let the mother of children be joyful. His remarriage was solemnized with great ceremony, to the end that the men that bade followed his example in divorcing their wives might imitate him now in taking them again unto themselves. And so it happened. Old as Jochebed was, she regained her youth. Her skin became soft, the wrinkles in her face disappeared, the warm tints of maiden beauty returned, and in a short time she became pregnant. Amram was very uneasy about his wife's being with child. He knew not what to do. He turned to God in prayer, and entreated him to have compassion upon those who had in no wise transgressed the laws of his worship, and afford them deliverance from the misery they endured, while he rendered abortive the hope of their enemies, who yearned for the destruction of their nation. God had mercy on him, and he stood by him in his sleep, and exhorted him not to despair of his future favors. He said further, that he did not forget their piety, and he would always reward them for it, as he had granted his favor in other days unto their forefathers. Know, therefore, the Lord continued to speak, that I shall provide for you altogether what is for your good, and for thee in particular that which shall make thee celebrated, for the child out of dread of whose nativity the Egyptians have doomed the Israelite children to destruction, shall be this child of thine, 
and B shall remain concealed from those who watch to destroy him, and when he has been bred up in a miraculous way, he shall deliver the Hebrew nation from the distress they are under by reason of the Egyptians. His memory shall be celebrated while the world lasts, and not only among the Hebrews, but among strangers also. And all this shall be the effect of my favor toward thee and thy posterity. Also his brother shall be such that he shall obtain my priesthood for himself, and for his posterity after him, unto the end of the world. After he had been informed of these things by the vision, Amram awoke and told all unto his wife Jehobed. His daughter Miriam likewise had a prophetic dream, and she related it unto her parents, saying, In this night I saw a man clothed in fine linen. Tell thy father and thy mother, he said, that he who shall be born unto them shall be cast into the waters, and through him the waters shall become dry, and wonders and miracles shall be performed through him, and he shall save my people Israel, and be their leader for ever. During her pregnancy, Jochebed observed that the child in her womb was destined for great things. All the time she suffered no pain, and also she suffered none in giving birth to her son, for pious women are not included in the curse pronounced upon Eve, decreeing sorrow in conception and in childbearing. At the moment of the child's appearance, the whole house was filled with radiance equal to the splendor of the sun and the moon. A still greater miracle followed. The infant was not yet a day old when he began to walk and speak with his parents, and as though he were an adult, he refused to drink milk from his mother's breast. Jochebed gave birth to the child six months after conception. The Egyptian bailiffs, who kept strict watch over all pregnant women in order to be on the spot in time to carry off the newborn boys, had not expected her delivery for three months more. These three months the parents succeeded in keeping the babe concealed, though every Israelitish house was guarded by two Egyptian women, one stationed within and one without. At the end of this time they determined to expose the child for Amram was afraid that both he and his son would be devoted to death if the secret leaked out, and he thought it would be better to entrust the child's fate to divine providence. He was convinced that God would protect the boy and fulfill his word in truth. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 2, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg Moses Rescued from the Water Jochebed accordingly took an ark fashioned of bulrushes, daubed it with pitch on the outside, and lined it with clay within. The reason she used bulrushes was because they float on the surface of the water, and she put pitch only on the outside to protect the child as much as possible against the annoyance of a disagreeable odor. Over the child as it lay in the ark she spread a tiny canopy to shade the babe with the words, Perhaps I shall not live to see him under the marriage canopy. And then she abandoned the ark on the shores of the Red Sea. Yet it was not left unguarded. Her daughter Miriam stayed nearby to discover whether a prophecy she had uttered would be fulfilled. 
before the child's birth, his sister had foretold that her mother would bring forth a son that should redeem Israel. When he was born, and the house was filled with a brilliant light, Amram kissed her on her head. But when he was forced into the expedient of exposing the child, he beat her on her head, saying, My daughter, what hath become of thy prophecy? Therefore Miriam stayed and strolled along the shore to observe what would be the fate of the babe and what would come of her prophecy concerning him. The day the child was exposed was the twenty-first of the month of Nisan, the same on which the children of Israel later, under the leadership of Moses, sang the song of praise and gratitude to God for the redemption from the waters of the sea. The angels appeared before God and spoke, O Lord of the world, shall he that is appointed to sing a song of praise unto thee on this day of Nisan, to thank thee for rescuing him and his people from the sea, shall he find his death in the sea to-day? The Lord replied, Ye know well that I see all things. The contriving of man can do naught to change what hath been resolved in my counsel. Those do not attain their end who use cunning and malice to secure their own safety, and endeavor to bring ruin upon their fellow men. But he who trusts me in his peril will be conveyed from profoundest distress to unlooked-for happiness. Thus my omnipotence will reveal itself in the fortunes of this babe. At the time of the child's abandonment, God sent scorching heat to plague the Egyptians, and they all suffered with leprosy and smarting boils. Thermitus, the daughter of Pharaoh, sought relief from the burning pain in a bath in the waters of the Nile, but physical discomfort was not her only reason for leaving her father's palace. She was determined to cleanse herself as well of the impurity of the idol worship that prevailed there. When she saw the little ark floating among the flags on the surface of the water, she supposed it to contain one of the little children exposed at her father's orders, and she commanded her handmaids to fetch it. But they protested, saying, O oh, our mistress, it happens sometimes that a decree issued by a king is unheeded, yet it is observed at least by his children and the members of his household. And dost thou desire to transgress thy father's edict? Forthwith the angel Gabriel appeared, seized all the maids except one, whom he permitted the princess to retain for her service, and buried them in the bowels of the earth. Pharaoh's daughter now proceeded to do her own will. She stretched forth her arm, and although the ark was swimming at a distance of sixty ells, she succeeded in grasping it, because her arm was lengthened miraculously. No sooner had she touched it than the leprosy afflicting her departed from her. Her sudden restoration led her to examine the contents of the ark, and when she opened it, her amazement was great. She beheld an exquisitely beautiful boy. For God had fashioned the Hebrew babe's body with peculiar care, and beside it she perceived the Shekinah. Noticing that the boy bore the sign of the Abrahamic covenant, she knew that he was one of the Hebrew children, and mindful of her father's decree concerning the male children of the Israelites, she was about to abandon the babe to his fate. 
at that moment the angel gabriel came and gave the child a vigorous blow and he began to cry aloud with a voice like a young man's his vehement weeping and the weeping of aaron who was lying beside him touched the princess and in her pity she resolved to save him she ordered an egyptian woman to be brought to nurse the child but the little one refused to take milk from her breast as he refused to take it from one after the other of the egyptian women fetched thither thus it had been ordained by god that none of them might boast later on and say i suckled him that holds converse now with the shekinah nor was it the mouth destined to speak with god to draw nourishment from the unclean body of an egyptian woman now miriam stepped into the presence of thermitus as though she had been standing there by chance to look at the child and she spoke to the princess saying it is vain for thee o queen to call for nurses that are in no wise of kin to the child but if thou wilt order a woman of the hebrews to be brought he may accept her breast seeing that she is of his own nation thermutus therefore bade miriam fetch a hebrew woman and with winged steps speeding like a vigorous youth she hastened and brought back her own mother the child's mother for she knew that none present was acquainted with her the babe unresisting took his mother's breast and clutched it tightly the princess committed the child to Jochebed's care, saying these words, which contained an unconscious divination. Here is what is thine. Nurse the boy henceforth, and I will give thee two silver pieces as thy wages. The return of her son, safe and sound, after she had exposed him, was Jochebed's reward from God for her services as one of the midwives that had bidden defiance to Pharaoh's command and saved the Hebrew children alive. By exposing their son to danger, Amram and Jochebed had effected the withdrawal of Pharaoh's command and joining the extermination of the Hebrew men children. The day Moses was set adrift in the little ark, the astrologers had come to Pharaoh and told him the glad tidings that the danger threatening the Egyptians on account of one boy, whose doom lay in the water, had now been averted. Thereupon Pharaoh cried a halt to the drowning of the boys of his empire. The astrologers had seen something, but they knew not what, and they had announced a message, the import of which they did not comprehend. Water was indeed the doom of Moses but that did not mean that he would perish in the water of the Nile. It had reference to the waters of Mirabah, the waters of strife, and how they would cause his death in the desert, before he had completed his task of leading the people into the promised land. Pharaoh, misled by the obscure vision of his astrologers, thought that the future Redeemer of Israel was to lose his life by drowning, and to make sure that the boy whose appearance was foretold by the astrologers might not escape his fate, he had ordered all boys, even the children of the Egyptians, born during a period of nine months, to be cast into the water. On account of the merits of Moses, the six hundred thousand men children of the Hebrews begotten in the same night with him, and thrown into the water on the same day, were rescued miraculously together with him, 
and it was therefore not an idle boast, if he said later, The people that went forth out of the water on account of my merits are six hundred thousand men. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 2, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg The Infancy of Moses for two years the child rescued by Pharaoh's daughter stayed with his parents and kindred. They gave him various names. His father called him Heber, because it was for this child's sake that he had been reunited with his wife. His mother's name for him was Jacuthiel, because, she said, I set my hope upon God, and he gave him back to me. To his sister Miriam he was Jared, because he had descended to the stream to ascertain his fate. His brother Aaron called him Abi Zanoah, because his father, who had cast off his mother, had taken her back for the sake of the child to be born. His grandfather, Kohath, knew him as Abi Gidor, because the Heavenly Father had built up the breach in Israel when he rescued him, and thus restrained the Egyptians from throwing the Hebrew men-children into the water. His nurse called him Abisoko, because he had been kept concealed in a tent for three months, escaping the pursuit of the Egyptians. And Israel called him Shemaiah ben Nathanel, because in his day God would hear the sighs of the people, and deliver them from their oppressors, and through him he would give them his own law. His kindred and all Israel knew that the child was destined for great things, for he was barely four months old when he began to prophesy, saying, In days to come I shall receive the Torah from the flaming torch. When Jochebed took the child to the palace at the end of two years, Pharaoh's daughter called him Moses, because she had drawn him out of the water, and because he would draw the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt in a day to come. And this was the only name whereby God called the son of Amram, the name conferred upon him by Pharaoh's daughter. He said to the princess, Moses was not thy child, yet thou didst treat him as such. For this I will call thee my daughter, though thou art not my daughter. And therefore the princess, the daughter of Pharaoh, bears the name Bithia the daughter of God. She married Caleb later on, and he was a suitable husband for her. As she stood up against her father's wicked counsels, so Caleb stood up against the counsel of his fellow messengers sent to spy out the land of Canaan. For rescuing Moses and for her other pious deeds, she was permitted to enter paradise alive. That Moses might receive the treatment at court usually accorded to a prince, Bithia pretended that she was with child for some time before she had him fetched away from his parents' house. His royal foster-mother caressed and kissed him constantly, and on account of his extraordinary beauty, she would not permit him ever to quit the palace. Whoever set eyes on him could not leave off from looking at him, wherefore Bithia feared to allow him out of her sight. Moses's understanding was far beyond his years. His instructors observed that he disclosed keener comprehension than is usual at his age. 
all his actions in his infancy promised greater ones after he should come to man's estate, and when he was but three years old, God granted him remarkable size. As for his beauty, it was so attractive that frequently those meeting him as he was carried along on the road were obliged to turn and stare at him. They would leave what they were about, and stand still a great while, looking after him, for the loveliness of the child was so wondrous that it held the gaze of the spectator. The daughter of Pharaoh, perceiving Moses to be an extraordinary lad, adopted him as her son, for she had no child of her own. She informed her father of her intention concerning him in these words, I have brought up a child who is divine in form and of an excellent mind, and as I received him through the bounty of the river in a wonderful way, I have thought it proper to adopt him as my son and as the heir of thy kingdom. And when she had spoken thus, she put the infant between her father's hands, and he took him and hugged him close to his breast. End of chapter 4 Part 3